hope all is well with you guys. Uh, as you can see, I've got a friend to the show sitting right next to me. He's not on me on, on this with me on YouTube from a different place. Same place. You're on YouTube with me in the same place. Same place. Won't he do it? Won't see, he. Jesus, through the gospel, brought us near so that we can come and become near to one another. You know what I'm saying? As he's brought us closer to God, he too also has brought us close to one another. Come on. Amen. I felt that so strong. Creating one new humanity. Amen. Amen. Tearing down the yes, wall of yes, hostility. Yes, 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 yes. So there is no ability yes. to hinder what God yes, yes. has wanted to make whole. And no one can make asunder. But speaking of putting things asunder, mm -hmm. separating them. Go ahead. That's that's all you. That's all you. Speak on this chasm, man. There, there's there's a chasm. Mm -hmm. uh, we like to talk about unity. Mm -hmm. We like like to talk about wholeness. Mm -hmm. We like to talk about being brought near. Brought near. Drawn near. Drawn near. Being made one. Being made one. Now I'm talking in circles. <sighs> but it's a very long introduction. All that to say, <laughs> we, by the grace of God, have brought Zaru near. <laughs> he's been on plenty of times on shaping the culture he is really a friend of the show at this point not a guest and uh yeah he's in town and we uh been having amazing conversations as we always do uh being challenged uh you know thinking critically biblically um been uh bringing up a very uh very a variety of topics uh, just looking through what the scripture has to say what culture has said what christian culture has said and one of those topics has to do with division. Right. Now, just for context sake, for those who don't know, I've been wanting to do this topic for a while now. Um, I've been just waiting for the right moment and the right guest to have this conversation. Um, but I've, especially in light of everything that has happened the last couple of years, this yeah. has been something that's been on the forefront of my membrane. Um, I actually, for those who've been following the show, had uh, Kina Aragon with us on Shaping the Culture. We talked about unity. And there's a couple questions on there about division, uh, but we just didn't get to it. I didn't really feel comfortable asking. I felt like the direction of the conversation was going in a different direction. So I was like, let me hold off on that and bring it up a different time. So here we are almost a year later after that episode right. addressing this topic. And so um, I just want to preface all of this by saying uh, we're here to have a good time. You know what I mean? Uh, I know this is a heavy topic, a heavy subject, but really, I truly believe that God wants to speak to us in it. And God has something to say about division. Um, let's let's ask this. Uh, you know, what has your relationship been with division? Because I know for me, a lot of the times growing up, whenever I was talked to about division, whenever I was talked to um, about what it looks like to be united, um, division was the antagonist to the story right. of unity. Right. Um, very rarely do I hear how division is necessary at some points, right. or that division is biblical at some points or that division is righteous at some points. Um, I am very new to this concept um, and it's been weird to digest because I've had to reject, my body has rejected it in many ways because of all the teaching I have received growing up in the evangelical right. church uh, around this idea of division being such a bad thing. Is that the same yeah. For you, like what's Absolutely. your relationship with division yeah. been like? Yeah. Particularly Jesus's high priestly prayer. Yeah. John 17. Yeah. Father, that they may be one. 
Yes. As you and I are one. As you and, I are one. and I've heard people say, so if we can't be one like Jesus wants us to, <laughs> then we're doing something wrong. And any account of division is disobedience to Jesus' Mm. prayer then, Mm. which I gave into as well. I was just like, yeah, I mean, we can't be out here being divisive. We can't be out here speaking what is hurting us, Mm. what is being leveraged over us by powerful people who are calling for our unity, which is very interesting when those with unchecked power call for you. And use Jesus. You're already prayer. jumping into it. You're already, <laughs> bro. I just asked about your experience. That's. Yeah, I'm sorry. You see, I. Uh, yeah, you want to get in the shot too. You just, you just <laughs> let me. Let me scoot closer to you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's profound. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, let's let's start here. Where is an example in scripture, where where something calls for division? Yeah. Jesus in Matthew ten thirty four. Are we going straight to it? Oh let's, yeah. Let's, let's, let me read it for yeah, us. It. Matthew ten thirty four says this: Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter in law against her mother in law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Now, when you, as you hear this, all of us have heard the last couple of verses. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. But we very rarely look at it in its proper context. And in its proper context, it's talking about how the gospel is going to bring about division. And so let's let's unpack that a little bit. Like, how have you wrestled through this text? Have you wrestled through this text? Um, how has it landed on you? And as you do your research and as you further studied what how do you make sense of it yeah when when jesus says do not suppose i have come into the world to make peace it kind of came across at first to me as contradictory as everything else he's mm. ever been for yeah right? the peace to the world right yeah. i bring you tidings of great joy yes peace yes. on earth goodwill to men as the ang- Angels declare to the shepherds the birth of the incarnate Messiah. Yes. And so peace on earth um, in all of its entailments seemed to be what I thought we were supposed to suppose Jesus came to. Yes, yes, yes. Um, But peace, Mm. when manufactured as a way to not allow truth Mm. to confront people, and not only to confront people, to, to... cause them to maybe separate at a certain point. Mm. Mm. What you proclaim to believe about peace may not be peace. It could just be acquiescence. It could just be a sense of surrender or, yeah, yeah, it's it's just, yeah, we're not really at peace here. We're just trying to be as nice as we can to one another. That's, and that, that's that Minnesota nice, right. passive aggressiveness. Nice. Yeah, so for those who are not from here, we have a saying called Minnesota nice, and all that means is we're very passive aggressive. Right, right. Um, 
will wave at you, will smile at you, but really we're annoyed with you. Right. Um, we'll acknowledge you, but we really don't want to acknowledge you. I'd rather be in the West Coast or in the South where they just tra- tell you straight up what it really right. is. Right. And a lot of the times, to your point, the peace that we're experiencing in the church is not necessarily peace. Right. Right. That was exposed here a couple of years ago when everything went Talk down with George it. Floyd. I feel like the church had a reckoning. And the church realized for the first, not, maybe not the first time, but the first time in a while, that maybe we're not on the same page. Right. And maybe the thing that brought us together isn't the thing that we think it is. Uh, maybe the, you know, we've been under the banner of, of Christ. We've been under the banner of salvation. We've been under the banner of the gospel. But when it's time to look through the workings, the inner workings of that reality, and how that's flushed out in our everyday life and what the gospel means for people like us and what right. that means for people that don't look like us. There was a huge, there was huge, a huge disagreement. Right. There were disparities. And we found out very quickly that we've been under the guise of peace right. and not necessarily in the middle right. of it. Right. That's good. Yes. And so I wanted to you know, say this too, as we unpack this, um, I think God does call us to unity. I believe God calls yeah. us to unity. Yeah. Um, but God calls us to be united over him. He's called us to be united over his truth. He's called us to be united over his message and his gospel. He's called us to be united over his purposes. Yeah. Um, the moment you and I disagree or we are not on the same page about what he believes right. should be our reality, right. um, there is a cause for division. So going into this text, when when Jesus is saying here in Matthew 10 that I've not come to bring peace but a sword, and he's trying to divide, it sounds kind of crazy at first, right? Like, oh, he's going to divide mothers from right. their children and, you know. Fathers from their sons. Fathers from their sons, right? Enemies being the head of the, the head. household or, yeah, not yeah. even the head. They're, they're going to be the members of his own household, right? Members of, what, what he's getting at here is, He's not trying to break apart the family unit. Right. He's not. Tr- God designed the nuclear home. You know what I'm saying? God is for family. What he's getting at here is if we do not love Jesus's words, if we do not love Jesus's message, right. if we do not love Jesus's gospel more than we love our cousins, right. our siblings, right. our mothers and fathers, we will be held back and we will not be on the same page. Like our allegiance to Christ must supersede our allegiance to family. Right. That our allegiance to the ways of Jesus must supersede our allegiance to blood. Yes. Yes. Dr. Eric Mason said something one time that really stood out to me and he was talking about justice and he was talking about what's going on. I think you and I have talked about this mm-hmm. convers- uh, what uh, his remarks. Dr. Eric Mason said this. He said, you know, in, 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 the, in, in the midst, in the heat of the disagreements between black evangelicals yeah. and white evangelicals, he said the, the blood of Jesus is stronger mm. than biological right. blood. Right. And he said, I am more related to my white brothers and sisters yeah. who are in the faith than I am related to my black Right brothers and sisters who I'm biologically related right, to. Right. He was getting at this idea, this, this gospel message makes us family. It makes us one. And it brings us um, 
close. It brings us together in a way that biology couldn't. And so what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 10 is you are now engrafted into a new way, engrafted into a new family. And if my message, if my truth does not supersede your comforts, your upbringing, your experiences, your comfort, you will be left behind. I have come to bring division, not necessarily because I want you separated, but because what you believe is so countercultural, mm-hmm. what you believe is so different, what you believe is not, you know, God says, be holy as I am holy. Right. Holiness means what? To be set apart. Yeah. God has called us to be unique. We are now his royal priesthood. We belong to a different kingdom. We no longer think the way we ought to think. Yeah, yeah. We no longer move the way we used to move. We no longer live the way we used to live. We no longer spend our time the way we spend our time. We no longer spend our money the way we spend our money. We no longer love the way we once loved. Everything about us changed. Our desires must be flipped upside down. Our pursuits must be different. Our dreams are touched. There's nothing that the gospel doesn't inform Mm. in our lives. And that is what brings division because there's a clear distinction between what Jesus is about and what this world is about. And that's what is causing division. How do you, is that kind of how you made sense of it? Is that like, how do you, how are you processing that? Yeah. And another way I process, we're going to build on top of that. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So as it was helpful for you to talk about the verses that came after it and yes. to see how the, the unity plays out into an understanding of who Jesus is and our love for an allegiance being devoted to him, even over our biological families. Yes. More than anything. But another thing you see in this context in chapter 10 mm-hmm. is at the beginning of it, Jesus sends out the disciples mm-hmm. to embody his message. Mm-hmm. At first, in verse 1, it says, Jesus called his disciples to him and gave authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Mm-hmm. And then in chapter se- in verse 7 of chapter 10, it says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And after that, he is talking about the different ways, different social groups in the people of Israel might be receptive or not receptive Mm. to the message that they have been sent out to proclaim. Mm. And so that's already a divisive call already. Jesus is saying, go out and heal, drive out impure spirits and proclaim the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven is near. And he even says things like if this peace, if this is a house deserving of peace, Mm -hmm. bestow it upon them. And if it is not, Shake the dust off of your feet. Keep it pushing. And leave them. Yeah. Keep it pushing. That doesn't seem like a, as you said yesterday, a kumbaya type of approach mm. to to coming to people. Now, this I do not think this is Jesus um, encouraging us to be violent in our rhetoric yes. or just encouraging us to be jerks in our evangelism. Yeah. But what he is saying is be attentive to the receptivity of people's hearts mm. and 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 the the generosity of their spirits are you mm. welcomed with a hospitality amongst these people yeah, yeah, right yeah, and if yeah. you're not that's going to be a divisive call right. because jesus understands the message he has called his disciples out yeah. to lead with right. is not one everyone would want to hear right and so if you're proclaiming a message of peace it is not assumed that it will be universally accepted right the presumption is that there will be Push back against it. And not only that, though, Jesus says to them before the verse 34, 
But when you do this, don't be afraid of those who can only kill the body. Yes. yes be afraid yes, of yes, those yes, who yes. can kill the body and the soul. That's, that's a key part. Right. Um, because oftentimes we love the call more than we love the call giver. Right. Right. Some of my pastor used to always say some of us love more than God would allow for us to love. Right. Now, this is the difference between love being God and God being love. Right. Right. When love is God, you are at the mercy of love. But right. when God is love, you're at the mercy of God and how he defines love. That's really good. And so some of us are more gracious than we ought to be. Right. No, nobody's talking about that. Right. Some of us. Uh, right. allow for things to slide by that Jesus when it slide by. We talked about this yesterday. KB says in, in his song, if you want to be like Jesus, you got to flip over some table. You might have to flip some tables. Some of us yeah. are trying to get a seat at the table that Jesus wants to flip. <laughs> <laughs> we scratching and crawling and please We're pick me. Pick me. In. Hey, don't flip it over yet. I just got here. Jesus, <laughs> I thought this is where I was supposed to be. Some changes are being made, though, slowly. <laughs> Don't flip it over I'm yet. To, I'm trying to make a profit real quick. I <laughs> I'm trying to hold a dollar. <laughs> I, am I a thief? Yeah. They might be the d people uh, creating a den of thieves. I just got here. I just got up on the come up. I just I just got here. Exactly. And now when I'm getting my first check, you're telling me I'm wrong? <laughs> I just took it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so to that point, like... We, I think in this hyper-grace society, yeah. in this hyper-grace culture that we live in, we try so hard to make the road um, a little bit more wider than that the gospel will allow for. We try to, we, we see that it's narrow and we're sitting here thinking through, how can we make this a little bit wider? It's too narrow for a Christian culture. Right. Not even... You know, not even the world. This thing is too narrow for the Christian for culture. The Christian culture, yeah. But to your point, Jesus says, if they don't receive it, dust your yeah, shake the dust shake off your dust feet. feet and keep it moving. Um, and I often feel like in our attempt to be united, we stay in places longer than God would want us to stay. Oof. In an attempt to be united, we cross some biblical boundaries because we're afraid of division right i even think about what it says in matthew 7 part of the beatitudes jesus says do not give dogs what is sacred right do not throw your pearls to pigs if you do they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces yeah. the gospel message is so precious the gospel the message is so good right that, you know, sometimes we just like, yo, just freely give it. Just right. throw it out. It's like, yo, there are people that are so hostile to this thing. Right. There's people that are in opposition to this right. that they will eat you alive. Right. That they, it's not falling on the good soil. It's not falling yeah. on good places. Right. That when you give something so precious to people that do not care for it, mm -hmm. it will not yield the results that you're hoping for. Right. And uh, I feel like oftentimes what we do, and we'll get into this, I know you have an example, is we might even stay in churches. Right. Well, <laughs> we might stay in institutions. Right. We might stay in spaces that are not on the same page as you. Because when we say the gospel, we're not just saying Jesus 2,000 years ago came and lived the life we couldn't live died the death we deserve to die, 
and resurrected after three days and defeated sin, sickness, and death and ascended into the heavens, seated at the right hand of the Father, and now, now for interceding any, for the Son. Interceding for the Son. And for anyone who trusts and believes in this will, t- will be saved. Right. That's gospel. Amen. Right. It doesn't end there. Right. That specific message, that reality has implications. Yes. On how we spend money, how we love our neighbor, what we believe to be true about money, what we believe to be true about unity, what we believe to be true about church. I say this all the time as a church planter. Uh, We are not a social club. We did not. I did not invent the idea of church. And we're not here just giving out our own vision on how things should be done. It is inspired by it is. Uh, led by the word of God, the truth of God, and the spirit of God. We are not here doing what we want. The reason why church is difficult is because there's a standard, an expectation, a purpose, and we have to align ourselves with it. We have to submit ourselves to it. We have to surrender ourselves to it and let God lead us in that way. And so when we talk about the gospel message, we're saying the implications of the gospel. And in the last two years, what has been exposed is we might not believe the same gospel. What we have experienced in the last couple of years is, man, the implications here, yeah. we're not on the same page. Right. And so we, in an attempt to call out things, have maybe labeled divisive. Right. Right. We have Heretics. several friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've gone through that. Yeah. Have got, we, we personally know people that yeah. have gone through that, right? In an attempt to speak the truth about the vulnerable. Speak the truth about those who have been disenfranchised. To speak the truth about God's heart for those who are far from him. To speak the truth about what God has to say about blackness. Right. Right? I mean, we we could spend a whole, I mean, we've done an episode about is is there no hope for the black Christian, right? right? Like this idea that we are not just Christian. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are made in the image of God. And God decided before the foundations of the earth right. to give us a little bit more melanin. Right, right. To right. give us some shade, you know? Right, right. And to think that this shade brings about what it has. What it has, <laughs> oppression. Yeah. Right? Right. All all of these things. Right. God speaks to that. Ephesians four. We we're we now belong to one race. Yeah that we have a countercultural message speaking to how we are to relate with one another. And we still see the disparity in that. We still see the disagreements in that. And so in an attempt to be gospel centered, mm-hmm. in an attempt to bring the gospel message, there have been people that have been met with hospi- uh, hostility. Yeah. And what you see is the black exodus, right. where people have shaken the dust off their feet right. and kept it pushing. And that has been labeled as division. That's not good. Right. When my Bible teaches us. That might be what is good. That is what is good and what is called of us. Right. Right. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, just uh, a couple of thoughts on when Jesus talks about the sword, when he says, uh, do not suppose I have come to bring peace, uh, but a sword. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that the sword could be considered as in this context. Is it the message of the gospel? Mm-hmm. Is it the embodiment of kingdom living? That is the sword that divides people and thus um, chastens our concepts of peace in effect. Mm-hmm. 
But I just want to say, I believe to Jesus, the sword was never something to be wielded mm. over the vulnerable, but it was a metaphor and a means to disrupt anything that took precedence over love for mm. and faithfulness to Jesus. Because mm. after, good. yeah, because Matthew 5 through 7, Sermon on the Mount, right? And so we see the Beatitudes in there. Yes. We see talk of uh, reconciliation. We t- see talk of uh, provision of God. We see talk of not judging one another. And then Matthew 8, Mm -hmm. it says when he went down from the mountainside or from the plain, whatever uh, translation you have, it says there was a man, he was either like lame, blind, or sick and said, Jesus, if you're willing to help me, Mm. please heal me. Mm -hmm. And Jesus touches him and says, I am willing. So Jesus' sword is never wielded against the vulnerable. Matthew 9, 35 through 38 uh, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless yes, yeah. and they were sheep without a shepherd. And so one thing I want to point out is most people think the divisive ones are the ones who have been the ones without the shepherd, the ones who have been harassed, the ones who have been helpless, the ones who have been calling out for healing but haven't been given that gaze. Yes. And so Jesus, his sword is never meant to cut the vulnerable. It's, po- it's, it's meant to protect the vulnerable. It's meant to protect the vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. And oftentimes, you said this earlier, I'd love for you to unpack it a little yeah. bit. It is those who are in high positions with yes. power, with their resources, with money, who weaponize words like unity. Yes. Right? Exactly. In, in an attempt to continue building the system of power that they ben- only they benefit from. Right? right? But our... We're going through the book of James at yeah. Paris Eve Church. Talk about it. And he gives a warning to the rich. In fact, let me read this really quickly. Yep. Um, just so I'm, I don't want to paraphrase here. In James 1, verses 9 through. Got the bookmark so, in it. Yeah, it says, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. Yeah. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed in the same way. The rich will fade away even while they go about their business. So James tells the rich, tells the poor, take pride in it. That's a whole nother message. We don't have time. He's not saying be complacent in poverty, but he, he says there's, there's a crown awaiting you. There's glory awaiting you that the suffering that you're facing is temporary, will not be permanent. But to the rich, he doesn't give a promise. He gives a warning. To the poor, he gives a promise. But to the rich, there's a warning. In fact, some scholars believe that you can't be rich and a part of the kingdom of God because there's no promise here in this context. But, you know, we know uh, scripture interprets scripture. So we know that's not necessarily true. But what God is beckoning the rich to do is in their humiliation, give of their wealth to share it, to use it, to steward in such a way where they they can push back against poverty. I hate to admit it, but poverty will always be reality. But if you're part of the kingdom of God, we are called to push back against it. Always. Just like injustice will always be a reality. That does not mean that Christians are not called to push against it. Amen. To use, to leverage their power, to leverage their gifts, to leverage their resources, their resources, their finances, their network to push against, push back against darkness. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and that's another thing too, is like, Oh, this is the way it is. We just have to wait till heaven for it. That's not the gospel message. The gospel message teaches us that we have been entrusted with wealth. 
And we have to take pride in our humiliation. And our humiliation is our ability to not find identity in it, but to give of, give of ourselves, to yeah. give it away. Because here's the reality. Your riches are passing away. Yeah. So it's here like the flower. It withers. It withers or gets scorched by the sun. Yeah. So too your finances, your resources. But here's the thing. The Bible gives a warning. If you don't give this away, just as your money fades away, so will you. Right. And yeah. often we're building systems, we're building platforms, we're building institutions, we're building churches that that protect the powerful. Right. Under the guise of unity. Yes. And they hurt the vulnerable. Yeah. Who actually need the protecting. Right. Yes. And so yeah. Sorry, I got no. That's that's there, that, just, no. That's fantastic. To, yes, I had to in, in light of what you were sharing. Yeah, yes. If we if we can't relinquish yes. our our um, connection to our finances or mm-hmm. our privilege or to any type of resources to comfort mm-hmm. and and earthly satisfaction that we have, which should not inherently be demonized. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can't relinquish our status as rich people in order to bring and, and invite and understand the dignity of the poor person is just as strong as yours is at that table. Mm-hmm. There ought not be a hierarchy in the way the seating is happening. This is not me coming after cultures that have the parents or patriarchs and matriarchs at the head of the table. If you want to do that, yes. great. Yes. But in, 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 the, in a sense in which it affects the poor and it further subordinates them, mm-hmm. Jesus says, you're the type of person that is deserving of this division. Mm. Yeah, like you, you're, you're going to get cut by the sword. You're going to get touched. You're going to get moved. And that cutting, I believe for him, it's so restorative because he wants your eyes to be open to it. He wants my eyes to be open to it, right? There's, there's many ways in which uh, I think subtly when you find yourselves in positions of power or at least influence that are a little bit, uh, more than you can handle yeah. that you are entrusted with, you really miss the vulnerable mm. because you feel like their issues are that which has been caused by themselves. Yes, and yes. Jesus has a view that understands. And I do want to say this. I don't want to dismiss the proclamation piece of what's happening before in Matthew 10, where Jesus is also talking about eschatological judgment to come, mm-hmm. the judgment seat of Christ um, at, at the time when the unjust and the just will be resurrected to hear God's verdict over their lives in yes. regards to salvation, destination, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, if you deny me, I will not take ownership of you. I will deny you. Right, I will deny you. Yeah. But if you, if you don't deny me, mm-hmm. I will gladly say to my father, she is one of ours. Mm-hmm. He is one of ours. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that our our opportunities that we take and the way we approach and fall align with taking ownership of Jesus is not just saying God died for your sins and you will go to heaven one day. Right. It's by saying the powerful can no longer just be unchecked. Right. They, they, they can't continue to just thrive off of the wealth of themselves. And anytime other people seem to be 
gaining some wealth to catch up to where they're at. That 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 shouldn't be something that causes them to 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 fear or push back against. They they can welcome yeah. the invitation of God of people to that. But that's um that's a little bit different. But the division that happens where he says, I have come to bring a sword is against those who deny him, yeah. against those who don't care for the vulnerable, yeah. and against those who love, who have love for and allegiance for uh, social groups that have taken precedence over him. Yes, yes. Even your biological family. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I think this is an important conversation to have because um, a lot of people in our communities have felt like the holy thing to do, the righteous thing to do, it's to say in churches, institutions, and families, and communities, and friendships, friendships where, you know, you just have to um, adopt whatever they're saying, even though it's not consistent or congruent with the teaching right. of Scripture. And again, it's just push for unity. But again, we what are we, we being united in? Right. Are we being united in your preference, or are we being united in the gospel? Right, right. Are we being united in what makes you comfortable or are we being united in what Jesus teaches? Yeah. Are we being united in building an empire or are we being united in building a church? And I think a lot of the times, like if we're not careful, what ends up happening is we're called to stay in communities. We're called to stay in friendships over things that God does not delight in, right. over, that, over the things that God is not even in. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think what we have to do when we disagree, I know we're talking about big picture here, but even as I think about how I engage with family, how I engage with friends, how I engage with myself, how I engage with people around me, um, you know, I have to ask myself the question, is what we're building, what we're a part of, rooted in, grounded in the things of God? But what's tricky is sometimes we are grounded on principles that are uh, a part of the kingdom, but we just have to go our separate ways because maybe you don't have the patience for this person to catch up to where you're at. Cause sometimes it's like, man, as long as, as long as we're in the same place, as long as we land in the same place, but it's taking us further to get there, I have to stick to it. But that's not always the case right. either. Right. You know, um, we can fall on the same theological uh, spectrum, yeah. spectrum but if we're not both working towards the same goal uh, i've mentioned this many times ray ortland says a culture unsays what it says in its doctrine right. sometimes they can affirm things theologically your friends can affir affirm things theologically family can affirm things theologically churches and institutions can affirm things theologically but if we're not putting systems in place if we're not putting feet to these realities it's like yo i for my own mental health for my capacity, for where I'm at, I can no longer be a part of this. Right. And that's okay. There's room for that. It's okay to say, I understand this church affirms these beliefs. I, uh, I understand this church uh, agrees with the teaching of scripture. However, I just, I need, I need the culture to catch up. Right. And, and, and in light of where I'm at, in light of my own traumas, in light of my own experiences, I just can't be in a space yeah. that perpetuates in its culture uh, a world that I don't benefit from. 
right? And so I'm not, I, I don't have the patience to stay around for the change. Yeah. Because we talked about this, what we often hear is, well, you are part of the change. They need you to change. Right. And what that's saying is, I have to put my health on the back burner right. to build something that they don't need me essentially yeah. to build, right. right? You want to speak on that? I know you had some uh, yeah, examples, yeah, yeah. and I have some biblical examples for this too. Right, so I have a dear dear black sister who has been in a space for a while, and she loves her coworkers. She loves the people that she works with. However, um, and she, she agrees wholeheartedly with the doctrinal affirmations of this particular space. However, she's been there for years, uh, shared tears with her therapist, with her friends, both, both black and white. And the common denominator of the advice given to her after she expresses these aches is that, man, maybe that's just where God wants you. <laughs> and yeah. for years, and many of us, you, you have to understand, many minorities and just people in spaces that they're not comfortable with already have a disposition, especially if it's of the Christian-esque type to stay longer than comfortable because we don't just want to, we acknowledge that growth requires discomfort in spaces. Absolutely. It might take tolerating some nonsenseness. I don't think That's I good, can man. ascribe to being not tolerant at all, though yeah. I am less tolerant than I used to be Yeah, yeah. Uh, because of how divisive things have been. But yeah, the, my, my disposition has always just been to stay. You can make the changes. You can do this. And this dear sister has been told this for years now. Yes. And she's still getting the same advice. And I've just kind of been introduced to this community. So I didn't feel like I've had much to say in those groups that I heard them say this, but I've pulled yeah. her to the side and yeah. said, sis, uh, I want better for you. Right. I, I want better for you, and I know I, I know no one wants better for you than you you yourself. Yeah. And th there's just these places where the 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 spirit of holding on to this place that is structurally organized around silencing voices that want to push the ball forward on justice yeah. uh, for women, justice for uh, black people, justice for Asians being beaten up senselessly. Mm on streets um, and all of all of these yeah. the, the ramifications of under the guise of unity being told to stay becomes another point of contention when it comes to these passages of biblical division yeah what is Jesus calling us to unite around right. is it our continual subjugation to people who believe the same things as us but go about them in very privileged ways and whether they recognize that they have the privilege or they do recognize what it's doing, but it seems to be working, it's bringing in the money flow. Mm. People are getting more jobs with their programs, mm. but they're not really seeing the dignity of mm. the people. They, they're, they're seeing the success of the business. And I don't ever want to just mm. impose motivations wholesale onto mm. people. But like as you hear people's stories and how they go on, I, I, I understand the impulse to be like, this 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 can't be all that yeah. God has for me. Maybe yeah. a sense of yeah. division needs to be had here because it doesn't seem like love for Jesus or allegiance to Him is being cultivated in me in the space. Yeah. It's 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 a questioning of myself. Yeah. Lord, am I have I have I punished myself enough by staying in a space that believes the same things right. you have yeah. uh, that you have told us to believe, but 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 doesn't see me. Yeah. Let me let me add to this. In Romans, our good friend Paul says. Do everything you can in your power to be at peace. As far as it depends on you. As far as it depends on you, live 
um, live with um, in peace with others. Yeah. That's such a freeing passage to me. Yeah. And the reason why that's a freeing passage is because what happens when you don't have anything within you mm-hmm. to be at peace with a system that technically believes what you believe, but like you said, there's no it's the slow the progress is slow. Right. The systems aren't changing as quickly as yeah. And it's and the system is working just fine the, the way work, it is. Working yeah, it's working just <laughs> it's fine. working as it was meant to. Yeah. As it was meant to. Yeah. Um we have freedom in Christ to walk away. Yeah. Right? Because again, even in Matthew ten, he talks about what peace actually looks like is uh a foreign allegiance. Love and allegiance to Jesus. Yes. And sometimes our theology can be aligned, but our systems don't reflect that. And if you can't get with it, and let's say you try, let's say you've been there for three, four, five, like everything you could have yeah, done absolutely. to be at peace. Right. Like we're not talking to those people that are, oh, they see little signs of right. um, privilege or signs of discomfort and they just throw up the deuces right. and walk. We're not, we're talking about people who have labored, who have stuck it out, people who have have tears under their belts that have uh, faithfully served and been committed to a community, a friendship, uh, a space. And they're like, yo, I just don't have it in me anymore. The Bible gives us freedom to, you've done everything you can. The thing with relationships is a two way street. And so if you're the only one putting in the work and you don't feel as if the, the second party or the, the, the third party or whoever else is involved isn't putting in or matching the effort that you are putting out, you have freedom to say, listen, this is a one-sided street. I've done everything I can to be at peace with this person, yeah. and I no longer see that this is working. Right. I'm going to walk away for my peace. Right, right. For my peace, I need to step away yeah. because here's what ends up happening. When you're restless, you end up causing unnecessary division. <laughs> you end up saying things you shouldn't be saying. Yeah. You end up tweeting things that you shouldn't be tweeting. Right. You end up gossiping. Right. You end up tearing down. You end up, right? And what I love about Jesus is he always tells truth to ta- uh, power. He always flips tables, but he ha- he's just classy with it. Right. He always does it from a place of fullness, and never from a place of emptiness. Right. And what happens is when we don't protect our peace, we end up being short with others because we are now empty. Yeah. And Paul is telling us, if you don't have it in you anymore, if you've done everything you can to be at peace, yeah. you have the freedom to walk away. And what I love about Jesus is that um, in as a shepherd who notice these folks were sheep without the shepherd. Yeah. He, he's the shepherd that can lead us to still waters. Yeah. Peace looks like still waters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, what I love about that passage in Romans 12 that you talked about yeah. is the context is coming from the sense of corporate worship. Therefore, yeah. I urge you, brothers and sisters, yeah, to offer your bodies, plural, as a singular sacrifice. This is your reasonable or logical act of worship. And then as he goes down before he gets to 18, where he says the peace on, um, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with one another. From like 12 to 16, he's saying, abhor what is yes, evil. Yes, yes. Love yes, what yes, is yes, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Associate with the lowly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, but these are contexts where worship is being proclaimed and assumed, yes, yes. but evil is not being hated. 
the lowly are not being associated with. They're not being loved. And so you're going to tell somebody who hasn't fallen under these guidelines of worship or this prescription of worship, this, this ideal of worship. And yet you still abandon the requisites for peace. Yeah. Right. And so peace, right, right. So peace, (laughs) this is not the worship that we have been called to. And again, it's not that forgiveness is not a thing in our minds. Yeah. We, so many people would love to forgive. We were just talking with some friends. Like, yeah. there's an eagerness to yeah. forgive those who have hurt them. Just but own it. Just, yeah, there's an ownership necessary for yeah. the harm that has been caused in these spaces. That have you can't reconcile without ownership. <sighs> Talk that. Listen, yeah. speaking of Romans, Paul spends 11 chapters breaking down the gospel. Right. He labored, bro. Yeah, bro. Labored. He said, I don't want to confuse this. It's all grace. It's all grace. Yeah. Chapter after chapter, going into the life of Abraham, going into how he was justified. He talks about, does this mean that we should continue sinning? By, By no, no means. means. Right. right? He, he literally labors for 11 chapters, laying out the beauty and the complexity of the gospel. Right. And in chapter 12, in view of this mercy. This is what it looks like. This is what the gospel looks like. Yeah. dog like that that's the most powerful part to me it's yeah. like i didn't just labor for the last 11 chapters for no reason i was building to something i'm yeah. getting to corporate worship that's good and so if our gospel doesn't inform our worship we there's something about the gospel we've missed right if we don't associate with the lowly right. if we don't stand against evil right. we have missed something about the last 11 chapters right Right, if we we're not offering ourselves up as a living sacrifice, yeah. the first time you see the word worship is when Abraham goes on the mountaintop to sacrifice his son. Abraham is about to sacrifice the promise, right. not sin, the promise. Mm-hmm. He is giving up the good things, right. not the hard things. Right. And when his servant says, where are you going? I'll be back. We're just going to worship. Yeah. Where's the ram? God, where's the ram? Exactly. Yeah. The very I forgot the theological term, but like there's this you might know it when you see the first the when you see a word for the first time, mm. um, it usually means it gives you the best depiction of what okay. that word means. There's a theological term okay. for it that I'm missing, but based on that theological framework, worship is considered giving up what you love most. Abraham is not giving up Ishmael. He's giving up Isaac. In fact, even when God calls him, he's like, Abraham, sacrifice your son whom you love. I'm after what you love. Give that up for me. And then when he goes on top and he sees, when he goes up and he sees that Abraham loved and trusted in Jesus more than he loved and trusted his gift, his prized possession, the love of his life. Now I know. Bringing it back to Romans. Sometimes God is asking us to give up our privilege because he's at, he's, he notices like this is your spiritual act of worship. You are not associating yourself with the lowly because there's something about power and privilege and comfort that makes you love it more than you love me. And so before I ask you to give that up, let me talk about what Jesus gave up for you. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> let me talk about what God had to give up 
Because God, is, he never calls us to anything that he himself doesn't help all himself yeah. to. Right. So before he asks us to give up what we love for the lowly, he, goes he gives up his power. Right. He gives up his position in the heavenly places so that the lowly can be accepted. Yeah. So for 11 chapters, he labors there, he labors, and then he says, this is your spiritual act of worship. And so to your point, I feel like when we have a hard time, when we have a difficulty giving up these things, loving who we're called to love, we don't have a normal problem. We have a gospel problem. This is a gospel issue. Yeah, what are your thoughts? And in giving up those things, Jesus encourages us that we're not actually losing anything. You find your life. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's that's why the call, the challenge to living in such a way, proclaiming the message without fear of the one who can kill the body, but the one who can kill the body and the soul. And the soul. Yes. What that does is it makes our hearts go out to those who don't know Jesus. Yeah. Who don't yeah. trust in Jesus. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm still um I'm still very compelled by this call to faith. Yes, that he wants the world to know that he's universally offered yes. through his death on the cross. And so we don't fear when others hostily come against us when we preach something that is considered as foolishness. Yes. But we also don't neglect them mm. because even though they might be able to kill our bodies, God is responsible for what happens to their body and mm. for their soul. And what we want is for God to, to, to bring that to them. Even, yeah. even the ones who are corrupted by power even the ones who are not uh bent towards the poor yeah and you find your life when you do give yourself that way so even though it feels like you're losing a lot and you are i don't i don't want to i don't want to diminish the length of the sacrifice you're gaining wealth Mm. in finding your life yes because this is what jesus has done yes the the most free wealthy yes glorious being in the universe yes kenosis coming down and emptying as eugene peterson said moved into the neighborhood moved into the neighborhood became neighbors of us and that's and that's what discipleship is yes cultivating hearts to grow in neighborly love yes and 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 cultivating lives to embody yes neighborly love on the ground in as much as we can with whatever god has given us so if you have two hands and you have two feet you have two ears and two eyes use what you see what you hear what you can say and do for that in as much as you can, yeah. whatever you have been blessed with. And uh, that which you don't have is still not, uh, it's not a hindrance for you still coming to Jesus yeah. with that. Yeah. It's, it's what you have. Yeah. It's yeah. what you have and, and understanding that grace. is just what it comes to. So good, bro. Yeah. So good. I, I had a plan to go somewhere else, but this is a great ending space. Yeah. yeah. Uh, always had a five hour conversations. Yeah, this is so good. I hope this was beneficial to y'all. Uh, the biggest, I hope the biggest takeaway was this. I wanted us to understand that division is necessary sometimes. Division is sometimes godly. And sometimes it's the, it's our call to be obedient at times looks like to be divisive. Yeah. Because we are not siding with our preferences. Mm. We are not siding with our privilege or our comfort, but rather the gospel. And sometimes the gospel calls us to flip tables, shake the dust off our feet and walk in a way that is away from whatever it is that we're a part of. And God will lead you to still waters and new tables. He will. And new tables. Yes. And, and this is our spiritual act of worship. Yes. It really is, um, to, to love those 
that are vulnerable. That again, just repeating, the sword is not set up to protect the privilege. The sword is set up to protect the vulnerable. Yes. And the, the, the gospel message, again, we, we see this in James. He gives promise to the poor. And when you study the word rich, you even get into this in James 2. We talked about this a little yeah. bit. It's not just that has, uh, it's not just those money, that yeah. have a lot of money. They, they have status. Yeah. They have positions. They have influence. Like People that have all those things are held responsible for stewarding it in such a way that they leverage it to serve those that are disenfranchised and poor, that God has entrusted. I mean, he didn't bless Abraham just to bless Abraham. He was blessed to be a blessing. Amen. I have poured your cup so that you can empty it by giving well, it uh, to others. You know, We're given to give. We're given to right. give. And so um, we are not meant to coddle our privilege. Yep. We're meant to share it. Yes. We're not meant to keep our money. Yeah. We're meant to share it because it's fading. Yes. Your privilege, your influence, your finances, all of it are fleeting. Yeah. And if we don't give it away, it's going to give us a way to death. And that's what, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not trying to extend this, but that's yeah. what like um, renouncing your life for Jesus looks like. It's yes. actually like an enjoyable calling. Yeah. It's sacrificial, sure. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's this participation and sharing yes. and redistributing yes. that, which yes. we don't even deserve we don't even in the first place. Yeah. It was, we we did nothing. We did nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was I was born in Johnson County. <laughs> one of the richest counties in in, Kansas. in, in the US. Yeah, Seriously. Yeah, I yeah. when I learned this, I was like, what? Because I didn't grow up feeling rich. Yeah, yeah. But I still had hella status. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I still had so much compared influence. to the rest of the world. Compared to, oh my gosh. And yeah, yeah and compared yeah, globally. Yeah. And I was even realizing in my in my school, in my Christian school how when I got a taste mm. of that influence in these white evangelical circles, how much I neglected my friends along mm. the way, right? All my black friends, yeah, episode. all my black friends, my Chinese friends, my Korean friends, uh, Hispanic friends that were roasting each other, and then I kind of go away from them. Yeah. And, and I'm getting the sense of recognition and elevation in this place. And yeah. They're, they're kind of chastising. I'm like, ah, I got nothing to do with y'all anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on the road. I'm on the narrow path. Yeah. It's like they were actually the ones on it the whole time. Yeah. So, yeah. Bro, that, that reminds me. I don't know if it's C.S. Lewis who said it. Maybe you can help me. There's a quote that I used to love mm. when I was in high school. It says, the miracle of the gospel mm. is to take an unholy man from an unholy world, mm. take him out of the unholy world, make him holy, put him back in the unholy Oof. world, and keep him holy. Right, that's good. I, I don't know who You're said right. that. I, I think don't it was know who C.S. Said that. C.S. Yeah. Or Spurgeon, one of the two. But that's the reality. God took you out, not to keep you out, but to sanctify you and put you back where you came from and love and serve those. Oh, my gosh. That, yeah. Yeah, and it's a privilege to do it. You're renouncing your life for Jesus' gaining life. Yes, like yes. You, what you realize is living in the status and comfort of wealth, it's much more boring mm -hmm. than you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Man, that was good. I hope that blessed y'all. That blessed me. <laughs> My Lord Jesus. Cut the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Baptist up. Bro, I'm telling you. <laughs> I hope this blessed y'all. Until next time.